I have the opinion of the Court in Case 18966, Department of Commerce versus New York. Every 10 years, the Constitution requires the population to be counted. That population count, known as the census, is used as the basis for determining how many representatives each state sends to Congress. The Constitution leaves it to Congress to decide how to conduct the census. Congress, in turn, passed the Census Act, which delegates to the Secretary of Commerce the task of taking the census, quote, in such form and content as he may determine, end quote. Now, from the beginning, the census was used for much more than simply counting the population. The very first census in 1790, for example, asked about the age and sex of household members, apparently in order to assess the country's industrial and military potential. Since then, the census has asked about topics both basic, such as race, health, education, occupation, and more unusual, such as radio ownership and age at first marriage. The demographic information collected in the census is used for a variety of purposes by federal, state, and local governments, as well as by non-government organizations and researchers. Starting in 1820, the census more or less regularly asked people to indicate whether they were citizens. The citizenship question was originally asked of everyone, but starting in 1960, it was asked of only about one-sixth of the population. That change was part of a larger effort to simplify the census by asking most of the more detailed demographic questions on a long-form census questionnaire that was sent to a smaller sample of the population. In 2010, the citizenship question, along with most other of the demographic questions, was dropped from the census altogether and moved instead to something called the American Community Survey, which is a separate annual survey that is sent to just a small number sample of households. In March of 2018, the Secretary of Commerce announced in a memo that he had decided to reinstate a citizenship question on the 2020 census. The Secretary said that he was acting at the request of the Department of Justice, which sought improved data about citizen voting age population in order to enforce the Voting Rights Act. According to the Department of Justice, the citizenship data available from the American Community Survey was of insufficient completeness and accuracy. After analyzing the issue, the Secretary agreed and decided to reinstate the citizenship question. In his memo explaining his decision, he also noted the long history of the citizenship question on the census and observed that the United Nations recommends that member states inquire about citizenship in their censuses, and that a number of major democracies around the world did so, including Australia, Germany, and the United Kingdom. Shortly after the Secretary announced his decision, a number of plaintiffs filed suit in federal court in New York, challenging the Secretary's action. The plaintiffs asserted that the Secretary's decision to reinstate a citizenship question was both unlawful under the Administrative Procedure Act and unconstitutional under the enumeration clause. The district court held that the citizenship question was constitutionally permissible, but agreed with the plaintiffs that the secretary violated the Administrative Procedure Act. We granted the government's request to review the district court's decision directly. 
As explained at greater length in our opinion, we agree with the District Court that the enumeration clause of the Constitution, the clause that governs the census, <clears throat> permits the Secretary to inquire about citizenship on the census. The practice of using the census to collect demographic information in general and citizenship information in particular is supported by long and consistent historical practice that has been open, widespread, and unchallenged since the early days of the Republic. In light of that early understanding and long practice under the Enumeration Clause, we conclude that it permits the Secretary's action here. Now, turning to the Administrative Procedure Act, we disagree with the District Court's determination that the decision to reinstate a citizenship question was not supported by evidence before the Secretary. As the Secretary's memo explained, he consulted the Census Bureau, the statistical agency that assists the Department of Commerce with the Census, about the advisability of reinstating a citizenship question. The Bureau analyzed various ways to collect citizenship data and recommended that the Secretary rely on administrative records, records from agencies like the Social Security Administration, rather than asking about citizenship on the census. The Secretary agreed that using administrative records was a good idea, but he didn't think it was sufficient because administrative records are lacking for about 10 percent of the population, or 35 million people. In the Secretary's view, asking a citizenship question on the census and supplementing the answers with administrative record data would yield a more complete set of citizenship data at an acceptable rate of accuracy. The Secretary also explained that he had considered the possibility that reinstating a citizenship question might discourage some non-citizens from responding to the census, which could in turn result in an undercount of the population. But the Secretary thought that the risk of such an undercount was difficult to assess. The studies before him were inconclusive about whether reinstating a citizenship question would materially affect response rates in such a way as to produce an undercount. Weighing that uncertain risk against what he saw as the benefits of reinstating the citizenship question and collecting more complete and accurate citizenship data, the Secretary concluded that reinstating the question was worth the risk. Now, under the Administrative Procedure Act, judicial review of that kind of policy decision is very deferential. We do not second-guess the agency's judgment, and we do not ask whether the agency's decision was the best one possible, or even whether it was better than alternatives. Instead, we confine ourselves to ensuring that the agency's decision was reasonable and reasonably explained. We think the Secretary's decision passes muster under that deferential standard. He considered the evidence, weighed incommensurables, and gave reasons for his chosen course of action. Under the Administrative Procedure Act, that was sufficient. We disagree with the portion of the District Court's decision concluding otherwise. In reviewing the Secretary's action, the District Court also held that his decision to reinstate a citizenship question must be set aside because it rested on a pretextual basis. Recall that the Secretary's memo stated that the impetus for his decision was a request from the Department of Justice for better citizenship data to help enforce the Voting Rights Act. The District Court found that rationale implausible in light of the evidence before it. That evidence showed that the Secretary was determined to reinstate a citizenship question from the time he entered office, instructed his staff to make it happen, 
waited while commerce officials explored whether another agency would request census-based citizenship data, subsequently contacted the Attorney General himself to ask if the Department of Justice would make the request, and adopted the Voting Rights Act rationale late in the process. In the District Court's view, this evidence established that the Secretary had made up his mind to reinstate a citizenship question well before receiving the Department of Justice's request, and did so for reasons unknown but unrelated to the Voting Rights Act. The government, on the, <coughs> excuse me, on the other hand, contends that there was nothing objectionable or even surprising in this, and we agree to a point. It is hardly improper for an agency head to come into office with policy preferences and ideas, discuss them with affected parties, sound out other agencies for support, and work with staff attorneys to substantiate the legal basis for a preferred policy. The record here reflects the sometimes involved nature of executive branch decision-making, but no particular step in the process stands out as inappropriate or defective. And yet, viewing the evidence as a whole, we conclude that the decision to reinstate a citizenship question cannot be adequately explained in terms of the Justice Department's request for improved citizenship data to better enforce the Voting Rights Act. Several points considered together reveal a significant mismatch between the decision the Secretary made and the rationale he provided. The record shows that the Secretary began taking steps to reinstate a citizenship question about a week into his tenure, but it contains no hint that he was considering Voting Rights Act enforcement. The Secretary's Director of Policy did not know why the Secretary wished to reinstate the question, but saw it as his task to find the best rationale. The Director initially attempted to elicit requests for citizenship data from the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Justice's Executive Office for Immigration Review, neither of which is responsible for enforcing the Voting Rights Act. After those attempts failed, he asked Commerce staff to look into whether the Secretary could reinstate the question without receiving a request from another agency. The possibility that the Department of Justice might be willing to request citizenship data for Voting Rights Act enforcement purposes was proposed by Commerce staff along the way and eventually pursued. Even so, it was not until the Secretary contacted the Attorney General directly that the Department of Justice expressed interest in acquiring census-based citizenship data to better enforce the Voting Rights Act. And even then, the record suggests that the Department of Justice's interest was directed more to helping the Commerce Department than securing the data. The letter from the Department of Justice drew heavily on contributions from Commerce staff and advisors. Their influence may explain why the letter went beyond a simple entreaty for better citizenship data, what one might expect of a typical request from another agency, to a specific request that Commerce collect the data by means of reinstating a citizenship question on the the census. Finally, after sending the letter, the Department of Justice declined the Census Bureau's offer to discuss alternative ways to meet its stated need for improved citizenship data, further suggesting a lack of interest. Altogether, the evidence tells a story that does not match the explanation the Secretary gave for his decision. In the Secretary's telling, Commerce was simply acting on a routine data request from another agency. Yet the materials before us indicate that Commerce 
went to great lengths to elicit the request from the Department of Justice or any other agency. And unlike a typical case in which an agency may have both stated and unstated reasons for a decision, here the Voting Rights Act enforcement rationale, the sole stated reason, seems to have been contrived. We cannot ignore the disconnect between the decision made and the explanation given. Our review is deferential, but we are not required to exhibit a naivete from which ordinary citizens are free. The reasoned explanation requirement of administrative law, after all, is meant to ensure that agencies offer genuine justifications for important decisions, reasons that can be considered by courts and the interested public. Accepting contrived reasons would defeat the purpose of the enterprise. If judicial review is to be more than an empty ritual, it must demand something better than the explanation offered for the action taken in this case. In these unusual circumstances, the District Court was warranted in remanding to the agency, and we affirm that disposition. We do not hold that the agency decision here was substantively invalid. But agencies must pursue their goals reasonably. Reasoned decision-making under the Administrative Procedure Act calls for an explanation for agency action. What was provided here was more of a distraction. The judgment of the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York is affirmed in part and reversed in part, and the case is remanded for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. Justice Thomas has filed an opinion concurring in part and dissenting in part, in which Justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh have joined. Justice Breyer has filed an opinion concurring in part and dissenting in part, in which Justices Ginsburg, Sotomayor, and Kagan have joined. And Justice Alito has filed an opinion concurring in part and dissenting in part. 